Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come here at Charlestown Road. It's good to have all of our listeners with us today. Jason got to preach this last Sunday morning, and he took us to Revelation chapter 12, a very pivotal chapter. In many ways, it's written like a play, not that's make-believe, but there is like a series of scenes and characters. And so we have the devil, we have Jesus, we have a woman, and then we have her offspring. And as as the chapter unfolds, one thing leads to another. There are wars taking place and all kinds of things taking place here, Jason. So let's walk through this a little bit, and I'm going to ask you some questions here and there, and we'll just kind of see what happens. All right. There is very little doubt in my mind that you could come up with questions that I would say, well, I'm, that's a good question. I'm not sure. That is the nature of this book of Revelation. I'm, I have returned now twice uh, to this last book of the Bible in recent weeks. Our daily Bible reading schedule has taken us there, and that happens, of course, as we just make our way methodically through the New Testament. We don't want to be afraid of this book. We don't want to avoid this book. Roger, I'm sure you, like me, I I have heard of churches that will teach just methodically through the New Testament. They will go from Matthew to Jude and back to Matthew to avoid the book of Revelation. I I chuckle at that. I do not think that is healthy. I, I don't think that is the way that disciples of Jesus ought to be in any era. That being said, it's a challenging book. And so a couple of Sundays ago, I spent some time in a sermon, Revelation 4 and 5, and was just really encouraged by the feedback of some veteran disciples of Jesus who expressed appreciation anytime we can kind of dig around in this book. Uh, This past Monday, immediately after the sermon, was when our schedule took us to Revelation 12, and and you used the word pivotal. I, I really do believe it is a pivotal chapter in the book. One thing that I just personally learned through my own little study, this go-round, the name of Jesus shows up in Revelation 12, 17 for the first time since the early verses of Revelation 1. Now, that's not to say that Jesus hasn't shown up. We know in Revelation 5, he is the lamb that has been slain, right? In Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, he is described as he is communicating to the churches in a variety of of rich ways, but his name, Jesus, is all over Revelation 1. It's the revelation, after all, of Jesus Christ. John describes himself as uh, in exile on the island of Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And then after Revelation 1, 9, you don't read his name again until 
Revelation 12, verse 17. And to me, that, that, that is interesting because, okay, how is this serving as a pivotal chapter? Well, in Revelation 12, verse 1, it's described as a great sign that appeared in heaven. John has been shown all of these visions. Now, here is something new. And there is this woman who is spectacularly described. She gives birth to a male child. That male child, according to verse 5, is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And we did some homework and traced back to the Old Testament. That certainly describes the coming of the Lord's anointed one, right? And so already we're, we're tipped off as to who this child is, but war arises in heaven, and this great dragon that has tried to devour the child. He, This dragon is described in a, a wide variety of ways. We're not left to our own devices. He is, in Revelation 12, verse 9, described as that ancient serpent that takes us all the way back to Genesis 3 who is called the devil and satan the deceiver of the whole world he is no match for the heavenly purposes of god but that war in heaven becomes by the end of the chapter war on the earth he is furious he goes off to make war on those who keep the commandments of god and hold to the testimony of jesus and so it is a fascinating glimpse into okay the birth of a child what did it mean when jesus was born into the world what one of the big things roger that i take away from this chapter is there is always more going on than we can see with our physical eyes absolutely and and so many of these expressions and and we'll, we'll look at some of these just take us to other places in our Bible, and and it's just like little little road road signs, and you see this, and immediately you think of okay, yeah, there, there's a passage here that connects it here, or there's a prophecy over here that connects it to here, and 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 it just kind of fits in with so much of what the Bible talks about. It's just a, a great great thing to see. One of the things that that I see when I look at this chapter is. Uh, Satan has always been opposed to God, mm. and Satan has always been after God. And when he can't get God, he's going to get God's people. And and so, you know, it's just reminiscence of what the apostle would say to Corinthians and Ephesians: put on the full armor of God, or yeah. we're, we're fighting this this invisible enemy who you know, throwing down speculations and all those things. And so there's a lot of other Bible principles that just easily fit in here as as we think about this. And that just helps us so much with that. So so let's talk about a couple things here as we just march along. Now, one of this has nothing to do with nothing, but I just, it's just interesting (laughs) to me that in verse seven and in verse nine and in verse 16, Satan is referred to as a dragon. Yeah. Now, it's interesting that throughout the Bible, um, I know of no other places that God ever uses make-believe animals. I mean, he talks about foxes and lions and there's bears and there's leopards and there's eagles, and all kinds of animals. 
So what am I to make of a dragon? Yeah. Well, that is a deep rabbit hole. No doubt we, we could go down. We know that God describes these various spectacularly terrifying animals on on different occasions. I mean, you, like me, we have heard all sorts of various discussions of what is the Leviathan, for instance? What is the behemoth that you read about in Job? And I have read everything from, well, giant hippos and alligators to sea serpents, some sort of a, a, a great creature that man cannot tame. We know all the way back in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, God created these sea creatures creatures that roam the depths. We know that in Isaiah, there are a couple of times that at least in, let's say, the English Standard Version of the Bible, you read about dragon connected to Leviathan. Let me just, for the sake, you you said this is for the sake of nothing next to nothing. Isaiah 27 verse 1, in that day the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. You read similar language in Isaiah 51, even in Ezekiel chapter 29. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is compared to the great dragon that lies in the midst of his streams. Now, what are we to do with that? Well, of course, it is the sort of language that would get humans' attention in any era. I think the simplest takeaway is the most terrifying things that we can imagine are no match for God. I mean, whether we want to talk about the adversary of our souls like a roaring lion or like an ancient serpent or like a dragon in the sea or even here in Revelation chapter 12, a dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his heads seven diadems. No matter how you describe the most terrifying thing imaginable, it is no match for God. That's it exactly. And particularly in verse 7 and verse 8, there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon is, and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer place found for them in heaven. They were not strong enough. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the key expression here. We have opposition but we notice and see that the power belongs to the Lord, and that's the outcome of yep. that. So so let's talk about this war. Let's begin with the war in heaven. Okay. Um, has happened, going to happen, now happening? Yeah. Where, where do we put a place mark on that? Yeah, I, I would suggest it has happened. And one of the things I, I think that I – one of the reasons I keep coming back to these passages for, for sermons, I've been teaching a class in our Building Blocks track of studies this month, uh, the, the month of September, just all on what can we know about angels. And we noticed most recently that, okay, uh, 
we know the name of a couple of them. Uh, Gabriel is mentioned in connection specifically with the announcing of the birth of the Messiah and delivering some extraordinary promises from God to Zechariah and to Mary, uh, who would become the mother, of course, of Jesus. But we also know the name of Michael, and he shows up here. In other places, he is described as an archangel, and here he is described as having angels fighting against the dragon. As I understand Revelation 12, this is something that has happened, something in connection with the coming of the Son of God into the world, and it is being used now to explain to these Christians in the first century, listen, life is going to be hard for you as disciples of Jesus. Let me pull back the curtains a little and show you there is more going on here than Herod the Great or Caesar in Rome or Pilate in Jerusalem. There is more going on here, and ultimately it's calling for you to rely on the strength of the Lord, you to put on the whole armor of God. And Roger, one of the major themes all over Revelation, for instance, you can see it in Revelation 13, verse 10. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints. The reason the saints needed to endure is because this war had happened in heaven, and now the war was being waged on the earth. Yeah, the word overcome is one of the dominant words in this book, and, and they needed to overcome. You know, chapter 12 really is uh, kind of the second section of the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. The first 11 chapters really deal with the current problem of Rome versus the church, and that's what they saw. They saw their problem was Rome. Well, starting with chapter 12 to the end of the book, they were being shown it's really not Rome it's versus bigger. church. It's Satan versus Christ. Yeah. That, that's the big picture here, and, and, and to see that. Now, at, at the end of verse 4, it talks about how the devil would try or the dragon would try to devour this child that was just born from the woman. Now, is there any place in Scripture where we could say, yeah, that, that, that sounds very similar to this? Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, there have been all sorts of things written as to, okay, who is this woman? And in my mind, there there are two distinct possibilities that really don't contradict each other. It's not either or. Uh, the, the easiest thing maybe that comes to our minds is Mary, right? The mother of Jesus. But also, I do think there is something to thinking of this as the entire nation of Israel, right? There was more than one occasion where there was serious question whether or not this seed of Abraham would even continue, right? And so as as I read Revelation and, and try and help other people through that last book of the Bible, it's always helpful to me at least to encourage people, let's, let's not zero in too much on a singular figure as much as What's the big picture, right? Roger, you described it as a big picture book, right? And, and so either way you want to look at this, 
Jesus comes into the world through the line of Abraham. We know that, but also, of course, through what God does in the life of Mary. And so if you want a human point of view, an earthbound view of what we're reading there in Revelation 12, verse 4, go back and read the first couple of chapters of Matthew and the first couple of chapters of Luke. And what you will read about historically is, of course, Herod the Great trying to slaughter this so-called king of the Jews from, from Herod's point of view, And Revelation 12 is invaluable in showing us, okay, from one point of view, this is just the raging of Herod, but from another very valid point of view, this is bigger than Herod. Absolutely. You know, and another way to look at that woman in in verse 4, it goes all the way back to Eve, when uh, God made that promise that the seed of woman would crush the head of that serpent. And here comes uh, the child of the woman, right. and that, that may well be. So uh, how did Satan make war? That, that, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, well, Revelation 12 is, gives way, of course, to Revelation 13, Revelation 14. This, this could easily just turn into an hours-long discussion of what's going on here. But from an earthbound point of view, he uses human beings who are usable, right? Now, when we're talking about in heaven, there is a lot that we don't know there, obviously. I mean, I think we need to be very careful of picturing winged beings with swords and shields the way this is oftentimes depicted in, let's say, Renaissance art sort of thing. I I do think we need to read Revelation 12 in light of, Roger, like you mentioned, Ephesians chapter 6. There are cosmic powers. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And so the war in heaven, let's just leave it there with it's no match for God. Whatever's going on there, it cannot defeat the purposes of God. But one of the fascinating things about on the earth, you read Revelation 13, Revelation 14, if you've got a godless emperor of Rome willing to persecute Christians to advance his own personal agenda, Satan can use that. If you've got corrupt religious leaders who are just in it for themselves and their own advancement, Satan can use that. If you've got oppressive human governments that don't think twice about grinding the poor down into the ground and and oppressing the weak and the vulnerable, Satan can use that. I I don't think it's, well, you know, him coming along and whispering in just the right or the wrong ear as much as when we ignore God, we open ourselves up to be used by the powers of darkness. And so when we get to verse 17, just a couple more thoughts here. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. I think that's us. And so for someone listening to this, how is Satan making war with me? All right. So obviously at this point, it could be in the form of persecution. We know there are people around the world today who suffer great persecution. That is not as much on the, the forefront 
thanks be to God, where we are in this part of the world at this point in time. If that were to come, then revelation absolutely speaks to us, right? And is a call for the endurance of the saints. For me, it may be in the form of, well, as I go to work today, I am going to be surrounded by all sorts of godless influences. As I live in the world, there are going to be all sorts of temptations, right? Allurements. Go back and read those first few verses of James chapter one, where we read about how temptation works, right? Alluring the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, the pride of life. It it may be in companions, friends, neighbors, even family members that would tell us, well, I don't know why you take allegiance to Jesus so seriously. Let's just go do what we want to do this weekend, and you can go back to church and get back to that church stuff next weekend. Whatever it is, the aim of Satan is to pull us away from God, and Revelation is a strong warning don't allow that to happen. You know, when Jesus describes us as the light of the world, that, you know, think about a porch light on late at night and you're driving down the road and there's that one porch light on, that's where you're going. It, it enlightens us, it helps us. But another thing about porch lights is it attracts all kinds of bugs. <laughs> and that's kind of what we're seeing here. There are all kinds of bugs. So the war in heaven, the earlier part of this chapter, we know the outcome. Yeah. But now, in verse 17, he went to make war with the children of God. Do we know the outcome there? you got to read the rest of the book, right? <laughs> and the rest of the book outlines, okay, whatever Satan is able to muster or throw, not only at God, but at his blood-bought people, as long as his saints endure. Think back to Revelation 2 and 3. As long as his people answer the call to be faithful unto death, Satan cannot thwart the purposes of God. For those, we may lose our life. Our time on this earth may come to an end. But as long as we are aligned with the King of all kings and Lord of all lords, Satan cannot defeat us. Chapter 20, verse 10, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone. And, yeah. that, and that's, where he, that's where he is. And so hell's made for him, and that's the outcome he loses. And so if you want to know what the book of Revelation is about in just like a sentence, it means God wins. God wins. God's win, and those who are with God win. Yeah. And that's what we need to see. Great, great lesson. We really encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's one of those things that sometimes one time through is just not enough. And go through it with your Bible. You'll you'll see things that will help you. And again, we need to realize the times we're in. And it's it's a war going on. And we need to be alert, we need to pay attention, and we need to be close to God through these things. Roger, it's Wednesday, and we have the privilege of kicking off a brand new quarter of Bible classes. You're going to be teaching in the auditorium. Yes, and going with our theme to finish what was started, 
we're going to talk about what it takes to continue onward and just being faithful to God in all these things. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we are going back to Exodus through Deuteronomy this quarter, October, November, and December. We're going to zero in on God's statement to Israel, you shall be my people. And we're just going to track that theme through Exodus and Deuteronomy. We'll be back at the very beginning of Exodus tonight, and we would love to have you join us. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We waded into some deep waters, but we hope it helped you set your mind on things above. It would be great to see you tonight. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us.